Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Because he loved them so much, he wanted them to experience that which he himself had experienced. He did not want for them to miss out on anything that God had for them. I want you to know what I know. I want you to have what I have. I want you to experience what I experienced. And here's the thing. Everything that I experienced came vis-a-vis prayer. This is In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. When we've experienced the grace and forgiveness of God, isn't it natural that we'd want others to experience this also? If we know God's deep love for us, we'll love others deeply too. As Pastor J.D. focuses on Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, we'll learn from his example to pour into others' lives by interceding for them. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 3 with part 1 of his message, My Prayer Life. We're going through the epistle to the Ephesians chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And today our text will be chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing, and he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and, verse 19, to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, what a prayer. Oh my goodness. Really looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. As of late, the Lord has really been ministering to me concerning my own prayer life, and that's what I want to talk with you about today. However, I do need to preface this by being very honest with you, very transparent with you, and say to you that I cannot stand here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do every week, as if I have in some way arrived at this place in my life where I can honestly say that I'm a man of prayer. I think that would be disingenuous at best and even dishonest at worst. That's not to say that God 
isn't doing a work in my life when it comes to my own prayer life. There are days where I find myself praying all day throughout the day. Then there are other days where not so much. (laughs) And I can always tell at the end of that day when it's not so much, oh my goodness, (laughs) it's almost like I look back and cry out to the Lord. And this is actually a prayer of mine that is very frequent. And again, I'm being uh, very candid with you and open with you in sharing this. But one of my most frequent prayers is this, Lord, please, I beg of you to not pay me as my prayerlessness deserves. Let me take it a step further, and you'll forgive me, but I also pray this, please, Lord, I beg you, do not pay your people as my prayerlessness deserves. Now that I'm really convicted, (laughs) let's try to (laughs) jump into today's teaching. I think the title alone is convicting, isn't it? My prayer life. (sighs) Right? Well, in both praying about and preparing for today's teaching, I was once again reminded of how amazing the Apostle Paul's prayer life was. Here in our text, we're provided with this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, and we're not just provided with what and how he prayed, but perhaps more importantly, why it is that he even prayed in the first place. I, I see the Apostle Paul as a true man of prayer. And I suppose you could say that our text today is the how, when, what, and why of Paul's prayer. And that's what I want to, if you'll bear with me, draw your attention to. And I do so because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what I believe the Lord has for us today. And it is an encouraging word concerning our prayer lives. First, I want you to notice back in verse 14, where we're told how Paul prayed. Notice that he humbled himself and got down on his knees to pray. Now sometimes I think it's good for us to humble ourselves and get down on our knees, sometimes even on our face before God and pray. But please know that God is more concerned not with the posture of our bodies in prayer, rather the posture of our hearts in prayer. I know that when I pray and fast, which I'm doing more uh, lately, just because of some of the things that the Lord has been showing me and uh, dealing with me in my own life concerning especially the ministry 
this church family and then even my own family, I do, I used to when I was younger, I used to be able to, well, first of all, when I was younger, I used to be able to get down on my knees much easier. <laughs> now there's a lot of noises that I make, like, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, when you go down on your knees to pray, and then there's always that concern, especially if you're down there for a while on those aging and ailing knees, I still have to get back up. <laughs> so that's, um, I pray about that. Lord, when I'm done, would you just help me get back up from <laughs> being on my knees? But when I was younger, I used to be able to fast longer, uh, just physically. But now, about two days, and uh, I pretty much have to uh, break the fast. But typically, I'll try to uh, and again, I please know that I wish I were at the place where I prayed and fasted consistently, more consistently than I do. But I try on a weekly basis to set aside one day, one day and one night where I devote it to prayer and fasting and denying myself and humbling myself. And I got to tell you that on those days when I am able to do that, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner and more often because of how powerful it is when you fast and when you pray. Well, that's how Paul prayed. It's important to remember that when Paul prayed for the Ephesian church that he was imprisoned as he was awaiting trial being falsely accused. And what's interesting, we talked about this last week, is he was under house arrest, and during the day he was free to roam about. But at night, he was actually chained to a Roman guard. How's that for a good night's sleep? (laughs) So presumably he was, during the day, while not chained to this Roman guard, able to devote much time in prayer on his knees... And it's also important to understand that Paul not only prayed for them while in prison, he also wrote this epistle to them while he was in prison as well. And that's how, when Paul prayed, and it's important to understand that, I think that's a good backdrop. But I really want to spend a little bit of time on what Paul prayed before we get to the why He prayed. In verse 16, he prayed that they would receive from God's glorious riches. That is an inexhaustible source. God's glorious riches. In verse 16, he also prayed that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being. Important to note that that word power in the original language of the Greek New Testament is dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite. That is the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And he's praying that they would be strengthened with that power through his spirit in their inner being. In verse 17, he prayed that Jesus Christ would be at home in their hearts through faith. This is another interesting word in the original because 
Uh, Some translations render it dwell, which really carries with it the idea of not just dwelling, but really being at home dwelling in us. Establishing and dwelling and being at home in our hearts through faith. Then, in verse 17, he also prayed that they would be rooted and established in love. In verse 18, he prayed that they might have power, same word, dunamis, together with all God's holy people. And in verse 18, he also prayed that they would grasp... (laughs) key word, fathom, comprehend, be able to get their minds around how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Reminds me of what Paul wrote to the Roman church recorded in chapter 8 about how God's love is such that nothing, no thing can separate us from his love. And to try to grasp it, there's neither height, nor depth, nor angel, nor principality, nor any created thing, anything, no thing, nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. If you ever doubt, or let me say it this way, if the enemy has had his way with you, for lack of a better way of saying it, and tried to convince you, better said, deceive you, as is often his tactic, into thinking that God is angry with you, that God's love for you has somehow changed or even diminished, I really encourage you to spend some time in Romans chapter 8. It will reestablish and reroute. That's probably not a word, but we'll just say it's a word for now. Reroute and establish the grasp of God's love for you. God loves you. Maybe that's a word for somebody here today, albeit a firm grasp of the obvious. But really try to understand that there's nothing you and I can do to make God love us less or even more because His love is infinite for us. Well, verse 19, he prayed that they would know this love (laughs) that surpasses knowledge. Reminds me again of another epistle that Paul wrote, this one to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Basically a life verse for me as a recovering worryaholic, so to speak, where Paul says, the way to worry about nothing is to pray about everything and thank Him for anything. When you thank God for anything, and you pray about everything, you'll worry about no thing. And here's what happens when you do. God, as only He can, will give you this peace that surpasses human understanding. In other words, it's beyond the realm of our ability in the human realm to understand it, to comprehend it. 
And that peace keeps our hearts and minds rooted, established, settled, stable, secure in Him. Then, in verse 19, he also prayed, and this is really amazing, (laughs) that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Notice, filled, measure, all, fullness. That's a lot, isn't it? And that's his prayer for them. You know how it is when somebody comes to you and says, hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, uh, Ephesians chapter (laughs) 3, pray that for me. I want that. I want that. Do you want that? Do you want this? (laughs) This might be spiritually greedy, but I want all of it. I want all of it. I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. And that's why Paul prayed what he prayed. I want to spend the remainder of our time together on this why of Paul's prayer. To me, there are two reasons as to why Paul prayed very specifically this prayer that we have recorded here in Ephesians for this church. The first reason is that he himself, I want you to think about this, he himself was on the receiving end of everything we just read. All eight of them I counted in these verses. Paul himself had tasted from the cup and been the recipient of all of these in abundant measure, in all of the fullness of God's love. And actually, this sort of ties into the second reason, which is that Paul loved them so much. Writing to the Thessalonians, Paul says something that should convict every heart of every pastor. He basically says to them this, the love that I have for you is likened to the love that a mother has for a child, a nursing infant. That's how much he loved them. How could he love them that much? Oh, because of the love that God had for Paul. Remember, this guy's uh, got a pretty uh, sordid past. Oh, he used to murder Christians thinking he was doing God a favor. Saul of Tarsus. And God gets a hold of him and changes him forever. And no longer is he Saul of Tarsus, he's Paul the Apostle. Jesus said it this way, The one who has been forgiven of much, loves much. Paul had been forgiven of so much, and it was for that reason that Paul loved so much. He loved them so much. And because he loved them so much, he wanted them to experience that which he himself had experienced. 
He did not want for them to miss out on anything that God had for them. I want you to know what I know. I want you to have what I have. I want you to experience what I experienced. And here's the thing. Everything that I experienced came vis-a-vis prayer. All of those things that we read on that, that list, all eight of them, every single one of them, without exception, came by way of prayer. Here's the thing. All that Paul had received came because he prayed? Well then, that begs the question of what would have happened had Paul not prayed? I have to confess, and again I'm just being honest and open, that this is a struggle for me personally in my own prayer life. And I say that because I ask myself the question of, what have I forfeited because I didn't pray? And I'll tell you what haunts me is James chapter 4, the second part of verse 2, where James writes this, you do not have because you do not ask God. You have not because you ask not. What could I have had, had I but prayed? I wonder what would be different in my life today had I asked God. I wonder what could have been mine had I just prayed and ask God for it. I don't have it because I didn't ask God for it. The Apostle John, in his first epistle, the fifth chapter, verses 14 and 15, writes, This is the confidence, confidence, that we have in approaching God. Listen. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Community is so important to a growing relationship with Jesus. We weren't meant to walk this Christian life alone. God has blessed us with spiritual brothers and sisters, all imperfect people serving a perfect creator. We will find ourselves in times of trial as we deepen our faith and follow Jesus, so we need to have a community of believers to lean on. Your church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. In turn, you provide the same for them. Have you found a group of Jesus followers that you can invest in? If you're in the Kaneohe area and don't have a church, we would be more than happy to welcome you into our family. 
Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Before our time is through with you today, we want to tell you how you can listen to more editions of In Spirit and Truth. Did you know you can take In Spirit and Truth on the go by downloading our mobile app? In our fast-paced world, it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day. When you download our mobile app, however, you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go. You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Join us next time as we continue in the book of Ephesians on In Spirit and Truth. Holding me true to 